Hello, this is Pastor Dan of Edgeboro Moravian Church, and thanks for listening to this Worship by Phone recording. This is the Palm Sunday service. This was recorded live on Palm Sunday, March 28th at 10.30 in the morning. A lot of people to thank for this service. Uh, we had a small choir with us in person, uh, Bill Burkhart, Steve Henning, Jenica Borger, and Megan Weikert. Uh, and thanks, as always, to Gail Justice for uh, her accompaniment on the organ. Uh, we also began our Holy Week readings during this service, so you will hear the voice of uh, Jane Martin as narrator, Spencer Smith as Jesus, and then McKenna and Madison Hoff as voices one and two. So you'll be hearing the readings as well as the hymns that go with the Holy Week readings. Then uh, we'll split that up. My sermon will be kind of sandwiched in the middle, and then we will finish up the readings for Sunday. This Worship by Phone recording will be updated frequently throughout Holy Week, so call back tomorrow for Monday's Holy Week readings, and we will be updating that as as soon as recordings are available. Sometimes it takes YouTube a little bit uh, longer to process the video and therefore process the audio, too, that we need to make this happen. Uh, So please call back and uh, join us throughout this Holy Week. So now we dive in into our Holy Week readings. We start with Palm Sunday. Now the Passover of the Jews was near, and many went up from the country to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. They were looking for Jesus to come. What do you think? Surely he will not come to the festival, will he? Now the chief priests and the Pharisees had given orders that anyone who knew where Jesus was should let them know, so that they might arrest him. Six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, disapproved. Why was this perfume not sold for 300 denarii and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He kept the common purse and would steal what was collected. The other disciples also joined in scolding her. Let her alone. Why would you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me, for you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish, but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. When the great crowd of the Jews learned that he was there, they came not only because of Jesus, but also to see Lazarus, who who he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests planned to put Lazarus to death as well, since it was on account of him that many of the Jews were deserting and were believing in Jesus. The next day, as Jesus and his disciples were approaching Jerusalem at Bethphage and Bethany, near the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead. Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find tied there a colt that has never been ridden. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Just say this. 
The Lord needs it and will send it back here immediately. They went away and found a colt tied near a door outside in the street. As they were untying it, some of the bystanders said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? They told them what Jesus had said, and they allowed them to take it. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut in the fields. As he was now approaching the path down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to praise God joyfully with a loud voice for all the deeds of power that they had seen. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven.
His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. They believed that they took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet. Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Some Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Rabbi, order your disciples to stop and be silent. I tell you, if these were silenced, the stones would shout out. You know, I'm grateful that we can still have a number of people involved in this worship service uh, this morning. It, it keeps in line with what Palm Sunday at Edgeboro has looked like for a number of years. Uh, today, as, as many of you well know, is a big deal here. And I think if Edgeboro members were to list the holidays best celebrated by Edgeboro Moravian Church, I think Christmas, Easter, and Palm Sunday would easily be in the top three, and dare I say, not necessarily in that order. The palms, the music, and the beginning of Holy Week, and all of those traditions already make it a big deal, but what adds to that is confirmation. Now today usually is a day of celebrating when, when young people uh, confirm their faith in Jesus and make their church membership their own. They take ownership of it. Now, of course, we, we won't be doing that today because we haven't hosted a confirmation class in over a year. And so we'll, we'll miss that tradition, but we hope that it will come back soon uh, as we become uh, better with ministry and technology and as we become more and more vaccinated as a community and can allow for greater numbers to be together like this vaccinated group that you see here today. But... The fact that we don't have that tradition today, it opens up a bit more room that we haven't had on Palm Sunday's past. 
and may not have again for a while. And this opening allows us to focus a little bit more on the events of Palm Sunday, so let's talk about that for a little while. More specifically, let's talk about King Jesus for a little while. Our songs and scripture and liturgy for today uh, seem fit to welcome a king into our lives, and, and we are, but I just want to do a little praise check, if you will, to check and see that our praises here today and ongoing are actually going to the king that we get and not the king that we want. This is actually a tension found in all four Gospels within Jesus' followers. They wrestle with this tension, and it starts to become quite tangible on Palm Sunday. Now, in the Hebrew Bible, it is written all over the place. Pick your spot time and time again that a Messiah, a chosen anointed one, will come and be king, will come and establish a new kingdom, which then they will rule over forever with justice and righteousness. Of course, though, to establish a new kingdom means that it must replace the old one, which, according to human experience and logic, means that a new king would have to come and overthrow a current king, a current ruler or emperor, and that could require an army and could require war and power and force. It's been done many times in the past. Why would it be different this time? So when word spreads among the people that Jesus might be the Messiah after years, centuries of waiting, their expectations go through the roof. So a new kingdom is finally coming and these people are ready for it. They're ready for their king to arrive, and so the Romans better watch out. So they see him riding through the gate in Jerusalem, and they're ready to give him a king-like welcome. Coats and palms are laid out on the street, so the king, even the king's horse, in this case colt or donkey, doesn't even have to touch the ground, and then praises are ready to be shouted. It almost seems as if this is pre-planned, that this is choreographed, that the people just know what to do. Even their shouts seem to be in unison. And if it seems like that, well, it's because it kind of is. This is often how royalty or how victorious military leaders are welcomed into towns, and especially into Jerusalem. And how fitting is it that they could now do this for Jesus? the coming Messiah, the soon-to-be victorious King of God. But there are a couple of things here that don't add up, a couple of things that seem quite odd. And one of these oddities is, is Jesus and what he chooses to ride. And some of these oddities can really point to Jesus, to, can tell us that Jesus is going to be a different kind of king and so the cult that he rides is one of those things that we can point to and kind of wonder what he was thinking there, what was going on there. So this was a cult that has never been ridden. Think about that detail for a second. Even though this comes from the prophet Zechariah, that the Messiah would in fact do this, so 
it lets us know that that Jesus was the Messiah that the Old Testament was in fact talking about. This is still kind of strange when you think about it. Now, tradition had it that only people that rode through the gates of Jerusalem were royalty, were victorious leaders. Other people would dismount and then walk by foot through the gate. So the fact that Jesus came in and through the gate meant something special. We can also assume that those, those people that usually would come through the gate, the royalty, the royalty, the military leaders, would come in on strong war horses that were well-experienced and well-trained and knew how to parade through a town. So here comes Jesus, not on a well-trained, experienced, loyal war horse, but here comes Jesus, someone who we have no idea if he has riding experience or not, coming through on this wild horse, colt, donkey, something that has never been ridden before. And now Jesus and the colt are together in a parade. I don't know about you, but that could not have gone smoothly, right? I mean, this horse, this colt would have been everywhere, distractions all over the place, fearful people yelling all over the place. I know we just sang right on, right on in majesty, and I know that we mean that metaphorically and we mean that in praise, but really, I can't picture this ride being majestic at all. So this probably was not a parade that the people were used to seeing. But then there's another oddity to point out. And this isn't in our Holy Week readings. It actually comes from the Gospel of Mark, which is this year's focus in the lectionary schedule that many preachers use. This strange occurrence is about where the parade is going, which is something that we don't often think about. We get caught up with the, with the cheers and the praise and the parade. We never really pay attention to where this parade is actually going. If this was royalty, a parade like this would lead to a big coronation where the soon-to-be king would actually become king. If this was a victorious military leader, they would go to the temple and then offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to God in victory. So either way, this parade would be leading to some kind of celebration at the end, and these people would, would know that. They would expect things to end this way. But this is how this parade ends in the Gospel of Mark. It's a pretty short ending. Jesus went into the temple, and when he had looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out. That's it. The end. Imagine how thrown off the crowd must have been to get to the end of the parade, and there was nothing there absolutely nothing. I bet they were probably asking themselves, what kind of a king doesn't follow tradition and celebrate with his people? What kind of a king rides a colt, an untrained, unridden colt, instead of a steed? What kind of a king is this? Their hosannas went to the king that they in fact thought they were getting. A king who would put their needs above others, a king who would save them in the way that they thought they needed saving or in the ways that they wanted to be saved, a king who would solve all their problems and make their lives easier, well, they found out in a hurry that Jesus was not 
this kind of king. They were getting a different kind of king. Now, as those living years later who have the advantage of having the story written down for us, we know how this week ends. We know the kind of king that the people that we actually get. We know we don't get a king who conveniently makes our lives easier. We don't get a king who magically vanquishes all of our problems and obstacles, pain or weaknesses, and makes them disappear. We don't get a king who grants our wishes. We don't get a king who prefers us over others. We don't get a king who plays by our rules and answers all of our questions and orchestrates our lives to be exactly how we want it. We don't get a king who abides by our politics or makes a pandemic vanish overnight. As much as we want a king like that, we don't get the king that we want. Instead, we get a savior. Instead, we get a king who knows us better than we know ourselves, who has never left us, who shows us how to live. We get a king who knows how to celebrate in the joys of life and celebrate not just by himself, but celebrate with us all. We have a king who stands with everyone who is hungry and hurting and in pain and in need of comfort and justice, advocacy and purpose, respect and forgiveness. We have a king who, instead of making our lives easy and perfect, would rather have us know that we are deeply loved and we are invaluable to him. We have a king who ultimately chooses to share God's love at all times and at all costs, even when it means that others would feel threatened and he would be arrested and killed. So on Palm Sunday, we see that Jesus is unlike any other king or leader or ruler out there. So let's make sure that our praises and our hosannas today and forevermore don't go to the king that we want, but are offered to the savior king that we need and that has already come into our lives in a gracious and loving way. Our praises will forever go to our King. Jesus looked out over the city and wept aloud. If you, even you, had only recognized on this day the, the things that make for peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. Indeed, the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up ramparts around you and surround you and hem you in on all, every side. They will crush you to the ground, you and your children within you, and they will not leave within you one stone upon another, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation from God. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. Who is this man? This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. The Pharisees grumbled among themselves. 
You see, we can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he cured them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did, and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry. Do you hear what these children are saying? Yes. Have you never read? Out of the, the mouths of infants and nursing babies, you have prepared praise for yourself. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee. Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their li life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will be my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and wondered aloud. He came from heaven. Must have been thunder. An angel has spoken to him. This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die.
have heard from the law that the Messiah remains forever. How can you say that the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? The light is with you for a little longer. Walk while you have the light, so that the darkness may not overtake you. If you walk in the darkness, you do not know where you are going. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may become children of light. It was already late, so he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Sisters and brothers, may the King of faith, love, and hope be with you always to lead you and comfort you and bless you. To our King, to Christ, be glory and power forever and ever, and may we go in that power and in peace and in that love. May we serve and love others forever and ever in the name of our King. Amen.